Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. By the way, I, we visited uh, one of the guys that was in the home we, in Cuba. We visited their family. I don't know if he's here, but uh, we brought back something for him. And uh, if you know who he is, some, they gave me a note to visit these people. And we went and visited them and uh, visited their mom and dad. So they sent us a little picture of their niece, of his niece. And uh, so, you know, after the service, Carlos has the picture. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jude, uh, chapter, uh, Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then also in Hebrews, chapter 2, and verse 1, if you will turn to Hebrews Chapter 2 and verse 1. The Hebrew writer says in chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, this morning we thank you for the beautiful presence of your spirit that we're able to feel in this service. We thank you for what you've done in the first service. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to continue to do in this service and the one to come. And Lord, I just pray that the hearts and the minds of your people be open so that each one may be able to receive. Let us be able to examine ourselves this morning. And if there's any area of our lives that we may be lacking, that we will be willing to come and lay our lives on the altar to be that instrument that you desire for us to be. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I would like to have your attention for the next few moments and after the experience of the conference, of having such a powerful, powerful conference, and then taking off for a few weeks, I began to meditate upon a few things that I believe are very, very important to our ministry. Now, that conference was one of the most powerful, in fact, the most powerful conference that we have ever had. The crowds, it's, it's growing. I mean, uh, we had over 15,000 people gathering night after night. Not only was it televised locally, but televised uh, around the country. People in other states, millions of people were able to uh, tune in to the conference, the Victory Outreach World Conference. So as you could see, God has been really blessing this ministry. Every year, we're able to see the growth that has taken place in the ministry of Victory Outreach. God has called us and God has given us a vision. But at the same time, we have to be very, very careful. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. 
One of the tactics of the enemy, whenever a ministry begins to grow, or whenever a person, after you begin to live uh, years in, in Christianity, if the enemy can't get you to fall into immorality and fall into sin, then he will try to divert you from doing what God wants you to do. He'll try to divert you from the original vision that God has given to you individually and that God has given to us as a people. And we have seen this happen. We look at history, you read history, and you've seen how it's happened in other ministries and also in other organizations. In the past, we look at the Methodist movement. It was a powerful movement. In fact, there was a movement that was uh, men and women that were filled with the Holy Ghost. The founders were uh, visionary people that instilled vision within the lives of those people that were part of the, uh, of the Methodist movement. But somehow throughout the years, they were diverted. And the Methodist movement that we see today is not the same as the Methodist movement that we read about in those good old days. And then we also could take and I could refer to the Salvation Army. Salvation Army, the founder again was a, a man that was full of vision. A man that was saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit. A man that had a compassion for the inner city people. It started in, in England, reaching out into the ghettos of England. And going into the streets and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. But today, you look at the Salvation Army and compare it to the Salvation Army of all. And there's quite a difference. The YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. Is another organization that started with Christian principles. And again, it was uh, originated by Christian principles and Christian people. And somehow you look at it today and the YMCA, instead of a, a, a Christian institute, looks more like uh, an organization, just a mere organization. And there are many others, even the ministry that I was saved in, Teen Challenge. And we've spoke about that, Nikki and I, and even David Wilkerson and I, we've spoken on it, that many of the teen challenges of today are not like the teen challenges from, of the beginning. In the beginning, David Wilkerson, a man full of the Holy Spirit with a, a vision to reach out, and you see the power of the Holy Spirit, and we put God first, and the Holy Spirit first in everything. And not all the teen challenges, but there are many teen challenges today that have just become mere organizations. And they've lost their effectiveness and they've been diverted from the original vision that God gave to their founder. And here in this scripture, we find that the writer is saying that we ought to give more earnest heed to the things that we have received, that we have heard, less at any time we should let them slip. In other words, slip or leak out. That's the way it happens. Begins to certain principles in our lives begin to leak out of us. And this is the tactic of the enemy to divert us. And what I see, I see our ministry growing. You were able to see in the Victory Outreach Conference uh, the Friday night. How we launched out so many. That was the largest number of people that were launched out in any conference. We're going into different countries. We're now in uh, 
in Brazil, we're, we're in also Chile. We have a number of ministries in Chile now already. We're going into Venezuela. We're going into so many different places and different. We're going into Italy. There's a team that's going into Italy. We're going into other parts of England. Uh, so many different places where uh, people are being launched out all over Mexico. The ministry is growing. And as the ministry grows, we need to be careful, especially here in the Mother Church, we need to get a hold of and, and cling to some of the, the values that God has, God has given us from the very beginning that has actually made this ministry effective and this ministry powerful. We need to give high priorities to these values and these principles that has, ha, have actually made this ministry successful and has given this ministry fruit. And this is what I want to speak about this morning. I want to speak about some of the values that we need to hold high. Values that we need to keep as priority in our lives personally and also within this ministry, within this church, especially being the mother church. The first thing, priority, that I believe that we need to give high priority to is, and that we need to value, is that this ministry from the very beginning was much more than just an organization. It is a relational ministry, family-related ministry instead of organization. This is why we use the terms in this ministry, uh, spiritual father, spiritual grandson. Like with Nikki Cruz, I still call him my spiritual father. Nikki, when he gets up, you notice, even though it's been years, and I've been in the ministry now for years. Getting to be an old man already. And Nicky still, when he gets up, he says, my, my spiritual son, Sony. You know? And I look at him as my, my spiritual father. Then many of the ministers that are out there on the field look at me as their spiritual father, and they're my spiritual children, and many uh, also call me spiritual grandchildren. Now we have spiritual grand-grandchildren. And the reason why is because we have uh, this ministry, the, the focus of this ministry has not been just mere organization, but it's been family. It's been a, a relational type of ministry that God has raised up a people and God has raised up a family. This is why we use the term the mother church and the daughter church. And this time when we had, sometimes we take for granted what God is doing here. But do you know that all these people that come from all over the world, you know that their first desire, what their first desire is, they, I stay amazed, because even I take it for granted. But the, the, the desire that they have, the first desire that they have, they don't want to go to Disneyland. It's not Disneyland. It's not going to Knoxbury Farm. It's not going to Hollywood. What they're excited about and their very, the priority and the, 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 their first desire is to go and visit the Mother Church to go and see where the mother church is at. And during the conference, usually, we don't have we're not having services here, but they come and, they, and then they are able to go back and say, I went and I visited, I stepped foot upon the mother church. I stepped on the ground of where the mother church is in La Puente. 
And they go back with, now it may sound silly to you, but to them it has a lot of meaning. Because they look at it and they say, this is where it all originated. These are my roots. These people are part of my family. Now it's beautiful to see that the family is growing where we have people all the way from Africa, different languages, people from all different uh, Dutch and people from all different languages that they're able to come together and it's going to continue to happen. But we have uh, one thing in common that God has given us a vision and God raised up a family of people to go and proclaim the gospel throughout the entire world. So we need to understand that we are a family. And because of that relationship that we have, there's a commitment to loyalty. There should be a commitment to loyalty. One of the areas that we stress very strongly within our ministry is loyalty. Loyalty. And this is why we've seen in, in, in our ministry, we have people here that have been working in our ministry for many years. Saul has been here about, what is it, about 18 years, 20 years. Kathy Clark. My trial sometimes. No, I'm only kidding. Okay. <laughs> She's been here for how many years? 20, 25 years. Been part of the staff. Ray Torres, how long have you been with us? 18 years. Charlie's just one of the newcomers over here. How long have you been here, Charlie? No. 11 years. He's one of the newcomers. <laughs> See? See? All, all the years and people and there's many of you that I look back and I could go back to, to Glass Street some of you that have gone all the way back to Glass Street and you know the very beginning and, 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 and even though we, we've grown there is a, a family atmosphere and, this, and what we stress and what we teach and what we model is loyalty being loyal to, to your leaders uh, being loyal to each other being loyal to your church being, being loyal to one another. Loyalty, one of the qualities that we, we stress because it is important to have that respect. As Because we're a family, we need to be able to respect each other. So, commitment to loyalty. And I know that, you know, to the guys that come from the streets, it is not difficult to be loyal. This is why uh, it's, it's a perfect set up. God knew exactly what he was doing when he called us to reach out into the ghettos and reach the gang members and the drug addicts. You don't have a problem getting their loyalty because many of them are already, already programmed and geared to being loyal to their community, the barrio, and loyal to their gang. And that loyalty is suddenly shifted and from being loyal to their gang and being loyal to their barrio, all of a sudden they become loyal to the ministry, loyal to their leadership, loyal to the church, loyal to the cause of Christ. And that element is very, very important. That, that quality within us is very, very important. If we lose that, we lose everything. This is why also because we're a family... We need to recognize that we also have a responsibility to the restoration for, of those that have fallen. 
Now, there are, an organization does not really care, just a mere organization does not care for people that fall. If they, if they fall and they, 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 uh, if they hurt the testimony, then get, get them out of the way and let's go on and, and do the work that we're supposed to do. But it's not like that in our, in our fellowship because we're family-oriented and we feel a responsibility for those that are part of the family that have slipped and have fallen. And this is why you see that our ministry has always reached out to those that are willing. Now, there's some that are not willing, don't want help. And if a person doesn't want help, you can't help them. But for those that want help and for those that are hurting and those that have made mistakes, we always have kept the doors open to restore them back again so that they could find their place once again within the body of Christ. Because we're family-oriented. Now, it is beautiful to see how many that were not saved in this ministry have come in and have also been able to flow with the philosophy of ministry of this church. There are many of you that were not saved in this ministry, but you came in because God sent you in, and somehow this ministry had the same vision that you had all along. And you'd be able to come in and to flow with it and to commit yourself and and also to uh, take all these qualities and make them yours, the qualities that we have in this ministry and these principles, and also adapt these principles to be part of your life and also part of your ministry. And this has been beautiful. And I know that it's not easy for some that have come from other churches, especially those that are transfers. Now we have those, in, in, in reaching people, you have conversion growth and you have transfer growth. There are some of you that were saved here, and then there are others that were not saved here that you came from other ministries. When you come from other ministries, it's a little bit more difficult because you come with a different philosophy sometimes, and then you come with a different concept of what the church should be, and sometimes it is difficult to adjust. But I want you to know this. If God has brought you here, and if this is God's will for you to be part of this ministry, then I want you to know that God is going to work it out. And God doesn't want you to be a spectator, but he wants you to get involved and make yourself count and be part of this great move of God that God has raised up here in La Puente Victory Outreach Church. So we are a, a family. We're a family. We're a family. We're a family. This is why we don't have too many divisions. You notice the pastors, we don't, I don't have problems. Other churches, they have problems where the pastors are, are, are divided and pastors are backbiting each other and, and the pastor goes on vacation when he comes back there's a division. The co-pastor wants to take over the church. We don't have these problems here. And the reason why we don't have these problems is because we're a family. We love each other. There's a concern. It is much more than organization. There's a relationship, a deep relationship that we have with one another within this church. Now, I know that all of you can't plug into me personally and intimately. There's too many people that we have within this church. But you could plug into your leader. You could develop a family relationship with your leader. 
You come to that place of respecting your leader and respecting those that God has put over you, whether home Bible fellowship leader or whatever ministry that you may be involved, choir, uh, director, minister of music, whatever ministry, evangelism, whatever ministry God has placed you in, you need to come and you need to keep in your mind and focus in your mind that we are a family. This is the way God would want it to be. We're a family. We're a family. God has raised up a family. So relationship. It's much more than an organization. It's a relationship type of experience that we have in Victory Outreach. Number two, not only should we give high priority to relationship or family relationship instead of organization, but also we should also continue the emphasis on discipleship. Now, don't you think for a moment that why is it? Let me ask you this. Why is it that all the churches are not doing what we're doing, launching out people? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because there are many churches that are not involved in discipleship. There are many churches that they have a, a good orator, and people come, and they come on Sunday, and then he preaches to them, and he teaches to them, and then they go back, and they go back again to their lifestyle, and then they come back again, and they listen again and they go back again, but people are not being discipled, people are not being launched out. When you look at New Testament Christianity, people are being launched out. Whenever you're in the fire of the Holy Spirit, God is going to do something special within your life. I'm a believer that God has a purpose for every person that gets saved. He didn't save you so that you could just escape the fires of hell. He saved you for a purpose. There's a divine purpose purpose that God has for you and the responsibility of the leadership in this church is to find out what is God's purpose and then help you to accomplish the purposes of God within your life but now not everybody's going to be sent out not everybody's going to be a full-time preacher but there's a special place that God has for you within the body of Christ and what we seek is to to find that place and place you somehow that you could place yourself into the perfect will of God and when you place yourself in the perfect will of God then you become productive there's nothing like being in the perfect will of God there's peace there's the happiness that only God is able to give when you are in his perfect will when you're out of his perfect will there's something missing there's a turmoil that has taken place within your life. But when you come into the perfect will of God, there is peace and, and happiness and a sense of fulfillment. What we seek to do is place people in where they belong. We believe every person is a minister. Every person that's in this place is a minister. I don't believe there should be any spectators. I say it again. I don't believe there should be any spectators I believe there's room for everybody, and God has a purpose for everybody. So discipleship, reproducing ourselves in others, training and developing men and women for ministry, not just classroom teaching, but transmitting what we have, also transmitting it into the life, depositing it into the life of someone else. Now let me tell you about three levels that we... There are many ways that we are involved in discipleship, but let me just give you the three levels that we have. There's one, three levels that we have. We have a, 
a new discipleship program that has been in existence now for what, about a year? About a year or so, eight months, a year. And level one, we have level one, level two, level three. Now look at the difference between these three levels. And they're working. What's beautiful, it's, it's producing. Level one is the level where we have a leader by the name of uh, like Brother Ray Torres. You could call it as like boot camp. Boot camp. Now, whenever somebody comes up and is real sophisticated, and he says, I want ministry. And we say, what kind of ministry do you want? Well, I could see myself and have a, have a dream of getting behind the podium and speaking to thousands of people. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. We say, you do. Hmm. You sure you want ministry? Yes, I want ministry. Are you willing to pay the I want to pay any price for ministry. Okay? We sent him to Ray. Now, where do you think Ray puts them? Ray gets a hold of them and puts them right in the middle, right in the streets. Puts them in one of the roughest areas, and he says, okay, you want ministry? Here's the microphone. Preach. And then also the new converts that get saved, we send them over to Ray because they, they got to get toughened up. Thank God for my experience in the beginning. I, in the ex- beginning, my experience was getting out there in the street. The best experience somebody could have is going into the devil's territory, taking a microphone and proclaiming Jesus Christ right in the devil's, devil's territory and seeing the power of God liberating and setting those people free. That puts spiritual backbone within an individual. So what we do is we send them to Ray. And you know how Ray is. He tells it just like it is. He take them and choo, 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 choo. be a man. <laughs> Spiritually speaking. But that's good for them. Then after a while, when they're going to the boot camp and they're there, then, uh, then we take them. And then there's some that are too rough. The ones that are too rough, that, we have others that have come from other ministries that are too bronco, you know, too rough, you know. <laughs> you know. And those guys, I'm not going to send them to Ray. I mean, you know, they're already rough as it is. Those guys we sent to Charlie. And then Charlie begins to take off those rough edges and begins to smooth them out. You see what I mean? He begins to smooth them out. So then they, after, well, after they graduate from Ray, then we send them over to Charlie. And Charlie is a little bit more finesse, you know, with his words and, you know, That's a way of dealing with them, and he's just dealing with them on principles and the, the meta church system and uh, this and, and the home Bible fellowships, and, uh, you know, and he begins to deal with them. So now they're getting some, some more experience, and, and those are the ones that we release. And thank God we had a whole bunch of them. How many do we have that just graduated from yours? We had about 60 that just graduated from, from Ray's. Uh, boot camp, basic training, and now they have 
gone with Charlie, and Charlie's, and that's a whole army of about 60 that were ready to loosen into the church to take home Bible fellowships and take small groups, and we begin to loosen them into the church so they can get uh, practical, they can experience the practical aspect of ministry. See, that's the way a person grows. You're never going to find your ministry sitting there in that, cha- in, that ch- in that chair without getting involved. Don't think for a moment. Whenever God is looking for a person, he's going to look for people that are involved. Those are the people that God uses. As long as you sit there and you don't get involved, he'll never be able to use you. So, so after we get in with Charlie, then there's a third level. And those are the ones that all want to be pastors. And evangelists. Before we used to have them come up to us, Brother Sonny, I want to be a pastor. And then we would take them and launch them out to another city, invest all kinds of money, and then in many cases we found out they weren't prepared. But now we've learned. And now we say, You want to be a pastor? Okay. Then instead of being launched out, we're going to send you into a satellite church and prove yourself. Get out there, and if you're called of God, then the gift of God will make a way for you. If God has really called you, then you're going to be successful. So then we launched him out into a city. Then we had a lot of other guys come out and say, I want to be an evangelist. I want to be an evangelist. I want to go and have crusades. You say, want to have crusades? Okay. Well, then we're going to send you to have crusade in the satellite churches. I understand uh, Little Joey's been having a crusade over there with Bobby in uh, South Bay. What is it, South Bay? I spoke to Bobby last night. People are coming in. People are getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And revival has broken out. In fact, they're all coming, they're all coming tonight. All of them are coming tonight. But they're, they're preaching also this morning. So what do we do? We launch them out. Behind the scenes right now, now, while we're having services here, there are people that are involved in the discipleship program of involvement. Not just classroom teaching, but actually a practical aspect of training within their lives. And this is the way God raises up an army of people. This is the way we'll always have people that will be able to be used of God and be sent forth within the ministry. So discipleship. This is something that we need to continue to develop. We need to still continue to develop in a quality level if we're going to be able to accomplish what God wants us to do. Number three, then also, not only do we need discipleship and give a high priority to discipleship, but we also need to always develop quality. Now listen to me carefully. Do you know that in the very beginning, in the very beginning, I made a commitment. There was one point when we were pastoring on Glass Street, that my wife and I committed ourselves to quality. You know how it happened? When I started working with all these people, guys coming in from the streets, people began to tell me that they could never amount to anything and that I could never have a quality church with these kind of people. That I actually began to believe it. Until God spoke to me one day and God said to me, I am the God that is able to do the impossible. And then he also made a promise, I'm going to raise up this ministry and this ministry, even though it may seem impossible and even though it may seem insignificant, this ministry is going to glorify my name around the world. Just be faithful to me, trust me, believe me, believe in the promises. 
So you know what I did? I went and I started jamming them. And I told these guys that never held a job before, I said, you get to work and you're going to be the one to support this ministry. And by the grace of God, we're going to be faithful to God and we're going to make it. And not in our own power, but in the power and might of the Holy Spirit. You know what they did? They did exactly that. They started supporting this ministry. Listen, we have come this far, this building here, this, this property here. If we were to look years ago, not, not everybody has church around here. You look around, how many people have 15 acres of land? You know how much this property is worth now? This property is worth now over $7 million right now. How many churches do you find over $7 million? And then especially Hispanic churches. I'll throw that on you too. Huh? <laughs> you know why? Because sometimes... We have a mentality, que ya no puedo, que no se puede, que yo estoy en el welfare, y viene mi chequecito, y este pastor hablando de diezmo, tithing, me tithing, que my little check, I just try to stretch it, I can't do nothing, that's the mentality that these people had in the beginning. Their check wasn't the check that they earned, it was their welfare check. But I tell you, when you start plugging in with God, when you recognize that God is the God of the impossible and nothing is impossible for God. From the very beginning, we said quality, quality, quality. Every piece of literature that we put out, we want quality. Forget this Mickey Mouse uh, uh, mimeographing uh, posters and mimeographing uh, leaflets to send out. You get it printed and put quality stuff on that. We started looking at every piece of literature that was going out. Quality services. We want quality worship. We want quality musicians. We want quality in everything that we do. Quality, 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 quality. Preaching quality in our conferences quality let's get the best tent we put it we were putting tents over here we are grew those tents now finally this last time we didn't put one tent we put two tents in fact the uh, shambach was amazed and if anybody knows about tents it's shambach you know he did in new york i just got a phone call from new york he's in new york in a tent revival and he got over there and he proclaimed he says you know what i just came from victory outreach and those people are crazy. <laughs> he says, not only did they have one tent, he says they put two tents together. And he was taking notes. He was there at the, at the conference looking at the beams, looking at everything, taking notes. You see the way that thing was put together? You know how much was spent in that? It was spent close to $300,000, right, Carrie? About two hundred and fifty. dollars what was it? $250,000 for those six-day meeting that we had over there. And who did it? Who put it together? Simple Victory Outreach people. The people that were supposed to be no people. There were pastors there that come from all over the world to check out what was happening. They were stirred. They were moved upon to see the, the mighty move of God taking place. We even had it televised on television where millions of people were able to see it. Why is that possible? It's because we believe 
God, we're able to put our faith in God, that God is able to do the impossible. We don't have to do things in a mediocre way. But if we do the best and put out quality, then God will bless the ministry. And we'll continue to put quality. And in the days ahead, it just may be that you may be challenged. Because the Lord may want to do some other things in these days ahead. We'll get to that later on. But I believe this is just the beginning. God wants to do greater things. Quality. Number what is it, four and, and one more and I'll finish. Let me see. Well. <laughs> Time goes awful fast. Wow. Real fast. Number four. Balance doctrine. Now, you notice that your pastor... Do, you, you always see me the same, right? Focusing the same. Now I'm around a lot of people. I'm around a lot of people. I'm around people that are heavily involved in the faith teaching. I'm involved with people that are heavily involved in discipleship. I'm involved with people that are involved in inner healing. I'm involved with people that are involved in kingdom theology. But even though I may believe in some of these things, you know, and some of them, there's there's a lot of truth in all these teachings. Nevertheless. We're not going to be diverted by the enemy and all of a sudden become a faith ministry because it is popular to be involved in the faith teaching. And that's the problem with many people or, or even discipleship. We, even though we do discipleship, you could even go overboard on discipleship. There are some people that have gone overboard on discipleship. We believe in discipleship, but we believe that God has given you a mind and that ultimately you are to make decisions. Some people, some discipleship uh, ministries were actually telling people whether they could buy a car or not. You come and ask me whether you could buy a car, and I say, look at your budget and make it, you know, figure it out for yourself. <laughs> who to marry and who not to marry, what we could do is give you advice. One of the things I'll tell you, if she's an unbeliever, don't marry her. That, that's against the word of God. But if she's a believer and you love her and she loves you, then get it on, get married. Don't come telling me to make your decision. That's a decision you have to live with. See? So even discipleship could go to an extreme. And then the inner healing. I had some people telling me we've got to have inner healing and inner healing. And get, everybody wants to get into inner healing and have sessions and, and sit a person down. And, and when did they abuse you? And when did it, when did it happen uh, 20 years ago? And what did they do to you? Oh, they, uh, and be, I had people coming to me and saying, oh, God, they had me reminiscing of all these horrible things that happened to me before. And now I'm having nightmares. then kingdom theology, and, and I could go on and on with so many things that some people in our church want to run with it, and they get involved in it, and then they want, they want Pastor Sonny, you got to get involved in this. you got to get involved in this. you gotta, you got to stop everything and get the whole church and focus on this. This is what's missing. Listen, what we need to do is we need to be faithful to the calling that God has given unto us. And what we've got to be careful about is not being diverted. Now, Fred Price, that's his ministry, faith. That's what he speaks. It comes out of him. That's it. Kenneth Copeland, faith, faith. Kenneth Hagen, faith, faith. That's their calling. That's their message. That's their calling. Could be they're being faithful to their calling. 
But God has not called us. God has called us. And God has called us to be a testimony and be a witness, not only locally in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but be a witness throughout the entire world. And from the inception of this ministry, we've been faithful to the call of God upon our lives. So balance doctrine. We need to stay balanced. We need to keep balance doctrine so that we're not diverted one way or the other, but we're able to continue on course what God wants us to do. And then later on, uh, and then last of all, last of all, vision, unity of vision. Now what do I mean by unity of vision? I mean that, first of all, you need a vision for yourself. Now, now hear me, and, and Benji, come, or wherever the pianist is, come to the pianist, piano. You need a vision for yourself. Look at me for a moment. When I say a vision for yourself, do you know what God wants you to do, wants you to be? Do you? Or have you been saved for a long time and you still don't know? You know what I did? I, I settled that thing as soon as I got saved. One of the things that I got a hold of the horns of the altar and I said, God, what do you want from me now? Now that I'm saved, what do you want? What is it you want in my life? Tell me, speak to me, speak to me. And I pressed in until God spoke to me. I believe God wants to reveal himself to you and tell you, give you a personal vision of what he wants you to do, what he wants you to be, what he wants you to do, the type of ministry that he wants you to get involved with in this church. So vision for yourself. Secondly, you need to also, all of us collectively, need to have a vision for this church. That this is why we need to pull together, give of our finances, be faithful in your attendance, pull of our finances if need be, even sacrifice if need be, so that this work of God could go forward and we could build the strong hub, a strong church, so that we could accomplish God's purposes. We need a vision for the church. And then last of all, we need a vision for the world. We need a vision for the world. And you know, you've been so gracious. I want to tell you this. I want to, I want to commend you that you've been able to share your pastor. I know that I'm out here all the time. And sometimes I have to go, I'm pastoring not only this church, but I'm pastoring a whole movement that God has raised up. Sometimes I have to go somewhere, like I have to go and spy out a land and, and go and meet with some ministers that want us to come into a country that God is opening. You people have been gracious enough to have understand that, but when that happens to me that I have to go somewhere, we have a ministerial staff, and you need to get behind them. You need to recognize that it is part, what is happening and what your pastors are doing, it is part of the overall plan and the calling that God has given to us as a people. And we're being faithful to the calling that God has given to us. So we need a vision for the world. Now, I, I, I went to Cuba, and I went there, and I picked Cuba because it's a good place to rest, first of all. Good place to rest, especially by the ocean over there. Beautiful. Havana. But at the same time, I kind of feel, I don't think Castro's going to be able to hold those people any longer like that. And I feel there's going to be an open door real soon. And we got in there, we started speaking to all the Cubans. We, started, we, we went with the people. We got a good insight on what is actually happening over there. And who knows, it's not far-fetched that in the coming days we'll see a victory outreach in Cuba. It's 
not far-fetched we'll see a victory outreach in Cuba. In just a, a few more weeks, Venezuela, we're going to go into Venezuela, we're going to start victory outreach in Venezuela. The government is even inviting us to come in. Already, we're in uh, Chile. Imagine Chile. We have three churches in Chile already. The pastors came and they plugged in. They said, we want to be part of this. And they plugged in. Now we're sending a brother from, uh, from San Diego that's going to be going to oversee the churches in Chile. And I could go on and on and on in different countries. And in the coming years, there's going to be different countries that God is going to call to saturate. And this is part of our ministry. We need to be faithful. We need to keep our priorities. We need to keep our values. You, each one of you here in the Mother Church, play an vital, a vital role, an important part in the vision and world evangelization that God has given unto us. So we need to get a hold of it. And I pray to God that you don't become a spectator as we continue to grow. And in the coming years, it's going to grow. There's going to be a lot of growth that's going to take place. But I pray that I, I pray to God right now, Lord, never give me a church that's just spectators. Let it not happen, oh Lord. Let it not happen. But let it be that you'll send people that'll just come in and say, I want to be part of it. I want God to use my life. And I believe God is able to do that. God wants to use you this morning. I want you to stand with me right now. I'm going to ask you this morning, bow your heads for a moment. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to touch those that they'll start taking inventory of their lives. Let their lives count for eternity. And Lord, that they could be part of this great work that you're raising up, that they will commit themselves. Raise up a church that is committed. We thank you for those that have committed their lives already. But, oh, Lord, I pray for those that will be able to discover their place within the body. And this morning. and say, Lord, I, Lord, let me not be sidetracked. Let me not be diverted. But I want to be faithful to the calling you've given unto me. I'm going to ask those of you that say, Brother Sonny, I want you to pray for me. I'm going to ask you to come quickly. Come on down right now as we sing this chorus together. I worship you. Lord, here I am. Lord, use me, oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, lift up your hands and sing it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, pray. Oh, pray. Oh, pray. 
to sing it again. Those of you that want to gather around the altars, come on down. The rest of you, listen, we'll see it tonight. But sing it together. Those that are at the altars, just stay here. The rest of you will see it tonight. Those that want to come and pray for those that are at the altars, come around. Yes, hallelujah. I worship you. www.visionintlstore.com Thank you for listening. God bless you.